Hello and welcome to the Brian Janikowski podcast, Friday, July the 20th. I'm Christian Thwaites. I'm Emily Takenverts, and let's get started with this week's market chat. So we had a lot happen this week, Christian. Uh, we saw, and not all of it good, there was plenty for the market to react to. Uh, we saw the, uh, the president question uh, Fed policy. We saw some rising trade tariffs. We saw the yield curve continue to flatten, you know, some, some, um, some weak economic data. Uh, why has the market, by and large, um, been able to shrug this stuff off? That's a very good question. I mean, I, I think it's a combination of the markets are, are not, remember, not always rational all the time. They tend to be over the long term, get things right over the short term, not always. But I think in this case, they're right to be fairly sanguine. We, we've had, yes, more trade discussions, the uh, upping of the uh, number of goods that are going to be covered with the China trade deficit. I think uranium was uh, discussed last uh, last week as a possible uh, uh, import tariff um, target. We had uh, the uh, the uh, president really question the, uh, the the Fed's policies, which is something we've really never seen. Uh, there is an instance of it with uh, Arthur Burns, who was sort of a rather uh, lame duck Fed president in the 1970s with Nixon, uh, when George Schultz was uh, was um, in the White House, uh, but it didn't last very long. So, I, and I, I think what's happening is the market doesn't for a second believe that this Fed or this Fed chairman is going to change course one iota because of what the president said. Uh, so there's a, there's a high degree of confidence in there and also on Tuesday and Wednesday there was the uh, the regular uh, annual presentation in front of the Congress and then the Senate, which went very well. So, and meanwhile, as we've discussed, you know, earnings continue to do well. So, I think the market is just sort of uh, plodding along. It's 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 moved gradually up, but it's still off its uh, you know off 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 its all time high by a little bit. And it's just a lot of you know other relatively good news, not bad news, and so it's able to take much of this in its stride. Would you say that uh, the market would? or is able to withstand or would be able to withstand um, some of this kind of bad political news that's been brewing around um, if earnings continue um, strong at this pace. Uh, I guess my question is, if earnings didn't continue, would that be a real problem for markets? Yes, it would, but it would be all to do with earnings and the economy at that point. It would be that there was some rollover and weakness in the economy that um, you know, because either the, the rate cycle had turned, or there was a you know a very large um, dent in in business confidence. But I I think think for now some of the you know trade talk. We've also got to remember that there's an awful lot of talk. There's less action, uh, and um, it's very disconcerting. And funny enough, in the Fed Beige Book, which is normally not a very exciting read, but uh, but this came out last week where they survey all of the you know t- 10 to, sorry 12 regional feds for business conditions and trade you know came up 29 times it didn't come up at all a year ago and it was only seven times in march so uh, that's obviously in a highly elevated level of concern but until we see a big damage in business confidence or some other kind of market cycle top i think the market's going to be you know fairly fairly well underpinned um, and and so far has been able to take an awful lot of uh, 
you know, threats and, and bluster, which, uh, uh, you know, at other times might have, might have caused it to, um, to, to weaken substantially. Mm-hmm. Berkshire Hathaway was in the news this week. <laughs> yes. They uh, announced a revised, um, kind of a revised share, ba- share buyback policy. Can you explain that revision that they came out with and, and what it means? Yeah, I think this is quite important. The, the stock popped by about 6% on this news. It's still a little bit off its all-time high. Uh, but I think people viewed it correctly as quite significant. So uh, Berkshire has really done no share buybacks at all. Uh, they did briefly in uh, 2011 and I think maybe a year later um, for about 1.6 billion, but its market cap at the time was 250 billion, and it's now 450 billion, 490 billion. So it's you know, this is really a drop in a very large ocean. Um, but always uh, there's been this paragraph in the annual report since that time, since about 2010, where uh, Warren Buffett said that they would consider buying stock back if the stock traded substantially below uh, 120% of its book value. So if, it's 100, if its book value was uh, 100 and the stock below, dropped below 120, they talked about uh, buying. But he, but he was very clear that this wasn't some sort of free put option and they would be free to do it whenever they liked. But anyway, they've now changed that and taken away that uh, premium amount and just said they're open to doing share buybacks at any time but they wouldn't do it if there's less than $20 billion worth of cash on the balance sheet. Well, right now there's $100 billion of cash on the balance sheet. So I think, uh, I think it's good news. Uh, they won't do anything before the, before the results in the first week of August, but um, I think it just gives them a little bit more flexibility, which they didn't have before, and they, they might do something, and I think it'd be a very, very strong signal about the confidence in the, in the future business. Do you think that that was just a strategic pivot um, because of... Um, the the tax cuts and the fact that there is the possibility to have much more cash on hand? I think that was very much part of it. It's funny you should mention that because their ROE, return on equity, we're just looking at it, went from 9 to 12 this year. Uh, Now, it doesn't sound a lot compared to some tech companies, but believe it's a very good number for a capital-intensive business like uh, insurance, reinsurance, um, uh, Burlington, national with you know the uh, the big uh, freight moving uh, company and, and a lot of other other businesses so they, those moved those 300 points um, probably 80 percent of that move was just through the tax cut so I think yes they're generating more cash and I think he can make any purchase he wants um, you know literally any company public company uh, from Apple down he could probably afford to buy um, maybe not Apple, but certainly of those others without any problem at all. So I think that he, he can make the acquisitions and he can do some share buybacks and I think so satisfy you know, almost every, every shareholder out there. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, so we also saw there was this, this article floating around the internet uh, t- uh, this week about looking at these FANG stocks and how they make up a huge portion of the S&P. Um, and I'm one, we've talked about this before, but I'm wondering, is there a risk in that um, in terms of the market? And um, if so, what is it? Well, there is some risk. And the, the, we, we, we did a version of the graph uh, ourselves, and when we basically looked at the, the FANG stocks, that's Facebook, Amazon, uh, Google, Netflix, um, who am I missing? Facebook, uh, Microsoft. Um, 
and their combined market cap is about half of what the bottom 300 companies in the S&P, so numbers 200 to 500. Um, and actually, it, it's if you take the sort of top five or 10 companies as a percentage of the S&P, it's not too far out of whack. It's it's high, but it's been higher. It's been high, certainly higher in 2000 when Cisco was a $600 billion market cap on a stock market value, which was less than half of it is today. So it's happened before. So that in itself is not a concern, but this is what you do know. The, the top guys don't stay around. A very few companies are able to keep that top slot for a very long time. Now, some have had it, you know, GE had it for a long time. Uh, that's obviously fallen precipitously. IBM had it for a long time. That fallen precipitously. Um, I can't remember others, but you know, there are, there are, there are companies, Exxon had it, They've fallen less precipitously, but they're you know they're they're quite a few notches down. So I think what you do know is that without sort of taking any bet on their underlying businesses or even having to make a call on you know how good or 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 uh, robust they are, that you know these these top ten holdings do move around a bit, and uh, you know they don't they don't stay at the top forever. So I think it's uh, it's more if, if you've got exposure to these stocks directly or through your S&P um, 500 investments, then that's fine. Enjoy the ride. But I don't think it's a time to, you know, to leverage up. And of course, this week we saw Netflix miss by oh, a really small amount. There's a number of new subscribers overseas and they missed by about a million. You know, they've got an install base of 130 million. But boy, that stock just, you know, just uh, took a very big hit. And I think that that's going to happen with uh, some, not all of them, because some of them make you know real money, but uh, but anyway, I think just generally it's not a good time to sort of you know load up to these things when you've got so much um, imbalance in the market. I also want to uh, mention that stocks are are close to all time highs right now, so the market has even with all the volatility this year has held up. Uh, do you see that continuing? Um, yes, I do. I I, I think the market's with withstood a lot of slings and arrows uh, at it. But, um, uh, you know, one thing that Trump has done is uh, is the economy is sort of motoring along, you know, at, at the margin, despite the way he does it, it's not exactly, uh, um, uh, you know, the smoothest and easiest, but he hasn't done a lot to disrupt the, you know the underlying flow of the economy. You could say it's on trade, but that's a manageable number and a quantifiable amount. So he hasn't, uh, you know, talked about things which could be really damaging, like uh, price controls or, um, or you know, big antitrust suits or uh, doing something which would really damage the uh, consumer confidence. So it's not. I don't think there are still some concerns in the market, but uh, um, I. I I think it will hold up. Now, having said that, you know, a five, a ten percent correction would be not surprising at all for any reason. Uh, uh, down to twenty percent, it's possible, but um, uh, you know, th those would be sort of really driven by you know events at the time, a, polit a political impasse or a you know, some ge geopolitical uh, you know problem. Um, so corrections are the norm, but um, but 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 seeing a big weakness in the market, a potential weakness in the market, I I, I don't see that at the moment. 
Should investors be holding some cash right now? Well, yes, that's a very good point because actually this this last month we uh, we've seen a massive issuance on in treasury bills. In fact, this time if you take from January the first this year to now and the same time last year, the same sort of roughly seven months, this time last year the uh, treasury market net treasury holdings held by the public had shrunk by $74 billion. That's what a robust economy does, generates more tax revenue. This year, the net issuance has been $740 billion. So it's swung from negative $74 billion, in other words, that's of the debt market shrinking, to now growing by $740 billion. So, uh, and, and the Treasury, for a number of reasons that we don't need to go into here, is borrowing very much in the short term. So there's a, lot of, there's a big issuance of three-month bills coming up, about $130 billion, and that's showing up in the rate. So now we've cleared 2% uh, on the three-month Treasury bill, and that's an alternative to cash. Not necessarily cash money markets, because they, they don't yield quite as much as short-term treasury bills. But you know, for our investors, I think uh, you know, a three-month treasury bill at 2% is a very viable asset class. Thank you very much, Christian. Good to be back with you. And uh, please come join us next week. Thanks, Emily. And uh, now here's the disclosure. Please note this discussion of our investment investment strategy, including our research investment process represents our investments investment strategy. At the date of this commentary, subject to change without notice, we cannot assure the type of investment discussing this commentary will outperform any other investment strategy in the future, nor can guarantee that such investments will present the best or attractive risk-adjusted investment in the future. This is for general informational purposes only. Reference to individual security should not be considered as a recommendation to buy or sell that security. The securities mentioned in this commentary are only several of the unsuccessful of the successful as well as unsuccessful investments by us and do not represent all the securities we have purchased or the recommended, although we deem reliable the sources of the statistical and other information referred to in this commentary. We cannot guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any statements or numerical data, past performance, no indication of future results.